0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Blueprint,
1: the original juice cleanse program to offer different levels of intensity depending on your needs and current diet. For more information, visit blueprint.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn, If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more.
2: We talk about food, we talk about music, with musical dudes, finger on the pulse, snacky tunes.
3: The temples that I built for you.
2: And I sang songs of praise and love. And up, I, I sang songs of burying you alive. And I, see, I had to share it. Down.
4: Snacky Tunes, we have a, a photo opportunity going. It looks pretty good. But
5: you have to look at me, sort of. Okay. You look right. Did you get it? I got it.
4: Uh, welcome, Snacky Tunes. Thanks.
5: Thanks. Uh, thank Thanks you. so much for having thank us. You. Yeah,
4: sorry about the, uh, for the delay today. It's not normally our style, but as things go, um, welcome. Do you want to introduce yourselves?
5: I'm Sarah Simmons. I am the founder and chef of City Grit, a culinary salon in New York City.
4: And this is your third time on
5: here? Second, I think. Maybe third I, I think know.
4: it's the third. Really? Because I feel like we had you back on and we talked about how it was your second and we hugged. Maybe. Maybe. And I'm Floyd Cardos. I'm the
6: executive chef and partner at North End Grill in Battery Park City.
4: Um, do you want to get Floyd since this is your first time and you want to give a little bit of background on who you are and how you got here? To wearing those beautiful headphones. Um,
6: so I uh, I came to the United States 25 years ago, and I worked for a bunch of restaurants, and I opened Tabla with Danny Meyer in 1997, uh, which was around for many years, and we closed Tabla December of 2011. Uh, in between, I did a food TV show, uh, and a year later, opened North End Grill, mm-hmm. which is in Battery Park, and. Northern Grill is a what we call a reimagined bar and grill, but it's it's um it's it's cooking using grilling techniques and mm-hmm. we have two grills. We have a wood grill and we have a charcoal grill. And pretty much every dish has something that's come from the grill. So it's grilled and marinated or marinated and grilled or it's a protein or it's vegetables or it could be a bunch of things on the dishes. And it's seasonal like most restaurants are today. Uh, we have a rooftop garden of a 1,000 square feet. We have we're harvesting right Really? Now. Yeah. Uh, how was the process of putting that in? Uh, last year, I did it myself. Um, One-man gardening show? Yeah, I tried to get my cooks and sous-chefs involved with it, and then I would travel and come back, and the cucumbers were too big, or, or the tomatoes were rotten, or the peppers were overripe, and it, I realized that I'd need to get someone. So this year, I hired someone uh, who used to work at Red Hook. So she's managing it for me. And we came up with a whole plan for the year. And we've already had four harvests. You, wow. Uh, she's really good. So we're <laughs> planting and turning things over and doing complementary planting and using uh, using compost that we are, we are buying from Brooklyn, using, making fish emulsions, uh, something that I didn't know about. Which I don't know about the plant. What? Uh, you, you take compost and you take fish bones and scrap really, much, And it brings nitrogen back into the soil.
4: I mean, I would have never thought fish because... I mean, generally, you could think about like animal dung or any type of like just you know land animals, but I would never think fish. Is that an old practice, or is that It, a- it is an old practice, and she she was said uh, she said that you can
6: buy like one gallon of this fish emulsion from any good garden store, which costs you about eighty
4: bucks, and we made like ten gallons for two dollars. Wow! Wow! <laughs> you should sell that. Yeah. So side So side at the side business of the yeah. garden, the side side business of the fit. I mean, there's just. I think, and um, I mean, I have to ask. Like, I know you have two types of grills, but is there one that, you know, like, I know you have to love all your children equally, but if you had to pick one, is there one that you maybe love just a little bit more?
6: You know, the one that I'm fascinated with, because most chefs don't have one, mm-hmm. and they're getting it now, is something called a jasper. Uh, it originated in Spain. Uh, it's it looks like an oven, but you put charcoal in there, wow. and you light the charcoal. You can cook in it till the charcoal is all lit, and then the ash forms on it. And it, it has two vents, one on the bottom and one on the top. And you use it to maintain temperature. So every time you open the door, it gets oxygen and it, hmm. fu- it fuels it. But you don't want it too hot because you'd burn something, and you don't want it too cold because it won't cook it. Right. So we make grilled pizzas in there. Uh, uh, mm. We do all our vegetable sides in there. Okay. Uh, corn and peppers and zucchini. Uh, what else have we done? Potatoes. I mean, you give me a
4: vegetable and I throw it in there. Do the shishitos. I mean, if, if people could see the look on Sarah's face, we're, our, our minds are literally getting blown. You're just... Uh, I feel like we should just ask more questions. I
5: know. I'm like, can we just talk about this grill for <laughs> yeah. the rest of the time? Um,
4: so the reason why you're both here is because you're both going to be participating in uh, Feast Portland, which it seems like everyone is going out to this year. Um, my brother included, who could not be here today. Um, the first question is, what is it about Feast that makes it so attractive for chefs?
5: I think it's the fact that Portland is such an amazing food scene on its own is reason enough to go there. But I think that, you know, the folks that do the curation for the festival, they do a great job of putting together a world-class group of chefs. And so it's, you don't have a hard time convincing me to go to Portland on any other weekend right. just to eat and, and hang out and cook with the chefs that I love there. But this is you know a magical time to be there because you're there with all those awesome chefs from Portland alongside a hundred other chefs from across the country.
4: Have you been before? I went last year. And was it magic? I yeah. mean, I went to school in Oregon, so like I, am, I know the allure of there. And they were doing, when I was in college there in the early 2000. every menu was like, this was gotten from a local farmer's market before farm-to-table was saying, they were just like, oh, yeah, we got this down the street. And I was like, and that's how I learned how going out to restaurants in my, you know, my early 20s, and then I got here, it's like, oh, farm-to-table is like a trend.
5: right so for you I I'm- think in Portland it's just a way of life
4: yeah
5: um and so I went last year as a guest and didn't have to work and got to enjoy eating at all the restaurants and attending all of the events um so I'm really excited this year to go and be a part of the festival
6: and
4: this is your first year correct? this
6: is my first year going yeah. for Feast I was in uh in Portland last year uh, I did a a drink dinner at Oving Street Kitchen with Sarah uh Schaefer who I think is amazing and uh when I heard about Feast, and then my old sous chef, Chris Robertson, has moved to Portland, and then I heard, I was just looking through the list today, and there's another one of my old cooks, her name is Sarah Pilner. Mm. She's in Portland, too. So it'll be great to go back to see all these these people who work for me. But I enjoyed doing, uh, I enjoyed working with Sarah when I did my dinner, and to go back and work with her, because I think she's really, really talented. She's
5: so talented.
6: And and then to see... all what, what rest- uh, restaur- uh, it's okay. Irving Street Kitchen. Okay. And then all these other chefs. Like I was in Hawaii this weekend, and I heard, uh, I heard Chris Constantino is going to be there. And then I was looking at the list. I just got the list of them looking. I'm like, oh my god, all these great guys are going to be there. So it's going to be a lot of fun hanging out with them. You know, mm-hmm. also Chris Castao, uh, you know, from the Meadowood. So mm-hmm. Sean Rock
5: is coming. He always brings the party. <laughs> it's going to be so much fun. Yeah, he's huh? he's dangerous. We have to start training.
4: Yeah. Um, so we're going to play a quick song, um, and then we're going to come back and talk about your individual events people can get tickets and um more photos we're Absolutely. gonna we're gonna pepper you with questions get ready um all right this is uh, lucius uh live from their snacky tunes session um go home we'll, we will be releasing uh snacky tunes volume four out at the end of this month um opening band with sand Fermin and they'll be playing live in studio studio later later listening to snacky tunes
3: Inside, I'm all wound up and still. The only thing that I can say.
4: Back to Snacky Tunes. Uh, so you guys uh, are both doing uh, events out at Feast. Um, you're doing part, the night market and dinner series, correct?
5: I am just doing. I right. think the dinner series. Yeah. I hope. And you're doing and the the dinner, dinner market series and, and the night, night market and I was. Th- hoping you weren't informing me no 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 oh yeah <laughs> you're doing
4: every single event that they have and then there's just a special dinner that they're just gonna say all right cook before, before they're gonna get kid- broken feet they're gonna <laughs> kidnap you and be like um you have here you go um after a night of drinking do, awesome do breakfast, with, John Rock? <laughs> uh yeah yeah exactly um so uh i mean ambitious for not even being there before getting lay of the land two events see uh-huh. I, i've done one event at Irving street kitchen before so i know my
6: dinner is going to be okay because i know i know how good Sarah is and right. her team is, in the kitchen, and what I can and cannot do. Uh, the night, you know, night market, I'm a little afraid of.
4: <laughs> and what I mean, what's going to be? What are you doing? And are you bringing grills with you? I mean, is that no?
6: Uh, the night market, I'm doing uh, a crab salad that we have on the menu right now at Northern Grill. Uh, so that's easy. You know, it's a lot of cutting work, but mixing at the last mm-hmm. minute, which right. we can do. The our dinner is going to be some items grilled because Sarah has a grill. She doesn't have a wood grill but she has a gas grill. So I have a fish that's grilled and the shrimp that's grilled. That's going to go on the
4: menu. It's amazing. And for you,
5: I'm cooking at, um, with Trent Pierce from Roe, mm. and we are doing a dinner offsite, which I'm not exactly sure where, um, I thought it was at Roe, but it, I just learned it was somewhere else. Um, and we're both of us cook Asian inspired foods. So mine will be a little bit Southern and his will be a little bit Pacific <laughs> Northwest. Um, But I think the menu should flow really well. We've been working together. We got the wines. He shipped the wines to me. We tasted them together and came up with the menu together. So it's not just us creating our dishes in a vacuum.
4: Was that a phone call? It's like, what are you doing? Just tasting wine. (laughs) You hang up. You hang up. Wait, wait. This one's corked. (laughs) Is yours corked? (laughs) Um, And then as far as, you know, for you too, I mean, you spoke to it freely. I mean, you're such a collaborative chef. You know, when you're doing these events and you have to execute it, like, um, especially among your peers, you know, do you feel there's an elevated stress to it or there's like an out you know you have to rise to the occasion do you feel it's just like it's just a time just to kinda really enjoy cooking with with someone else see I
6: you know I believe that you have to enjoy what you're doing with who you're working with because it's not your kitchen wherever you go Mm -hmm. and if you're expecting your own kitchen then you should not be doing these events That's Uh, a good point so you have to adapt to what there is there and how things are flowing for the evening and you know, as, as long as I believe, as long as you're true to who you are and you keep your style, yeah, you'll have to change some dishes because the equipment is different. But the main thing is that people get who you are and get your soul because if they get your soul, they know they'll get your passion. And once you get that passion, it makes sense. But if you try to do something that's not going to work, yeah, you're going to be miserable.
5: Right. Right. I mean, I'm excited to cook with Trent, but I'm super nervous because he has one of my favorite dishes that i've ever eaten in my entire life what is it it's a cold ramen dish um or dry ramen dish that is it's it's i can't even explain it i fly into portland and used to the flight gets in around 8 15 and pray that we got there on time and take a cab from the airport to wafu which was his other restaurant um order that dish and a couple of other things and then check into my hotel or go where I'm going. And so I've you know been a fan of his cooking and his food for a while. So this is actually the first time I'm meeting him and cooking with him. and
4: That's amazing. What time did the restaurant close?
5: It closed at like uh, 10.30.
4: Oh, okay. That's a good window. It's not like it like closed at 9 p.m. and you're just like knocking old ladies well, out. Well, you know, just to... you're checking your bag because I yeah.
5: usually have my knives with me. So right. that takes forever and then getting a cab. But yeah.
4: That's pretty good. Any uh, place that you would like rush off a plane to go eat at? Uh, in Portland, <laughs> just in
6: general, <laughs> uh, many places. Uh, uh, I was actually in, Ho- in in Honolulu last week, and we jumped off the plane. Like, I called the restaurant. There's this place called Matsugan They used to have a place in New York City, which closed, but they make uh, make soba. So both noodles. So so I had to go there to have soba. I took my son there. But if I'm in uh, in Portland, definitely Pak Pak yes and, and then on the market by the university there's mm-hmm. a big market there on Saturdays the farmer's market there's this fried chicken and the biscuit Pine thing State they do. biscuit oh my god so, <laughs> <laughs> with gravy on it oh and
4: an egg you gotta get the egg on yeah. top
5: yeah it doesn't have bacon it has I mean it's like uh, 1200 calories
4: that's fine but you just flew so
5: <laughs> and you burned all of those calories <laughs> yeah yeah you burned
4: right something like that I hope yep. so yep. Um, I'm going with that yeah I'm going with it anyway I want to thank you two for uh, joining us today um feastport uh, feastportland dot com for all the details and then how can people find you Twitter handles restaurants nuts um, and bolts
5: m- follow city grit on Twitter and Instagram
4: that's good that's a correct answer
6: great <laughs> Are you, mine is is on Instagram on Twitter and Facebook is Floyd Gatto's. and the restaurants Northern Grill Instagram and Twitter
4: and NorthernGrillNYC.com. dot com uh, great. Oh, well, thanks for joining us. Of course. I'm, it's a bummer that I won't be out there, but if you see, well, you know what he looks like. But if you see a guy that looks like me, but is like somehow reaching behind the counter and stealing bites and has a smile on his face, that's my brother. Yes. Or if he doesn't, <laughs> or if he
6: doesn't recognize me, and yeah, I'd say I just
4: met you. And then he'll go. He goes, I oh, know it's my brother, and then he'll still take another bite. Um, anyway, thank you so much for joining us. We have Sanford from coming up next live. Um, we have another track coming up from our. Snacky Tunes come from one of our favorites, Pearl and the Beard. You're listening to Snacky Tunes. Welcome back to Snacky Tunes. Uh, we have Sam Fermin in here, all five of you, but you guys are kind of rolling a little light today. Uh, do you want to go around the room and introduce yourselves? Uh, sure. Uh, I'm Alan. Uh, I'm Ellis. Ray.
1: I'm Eliza.
4: I'm Tyler. Okay, great. Um, well, it's nice to meet you guys. I saw you all play at Glasslands a few weeks ago. It was pretty blown away. Uh, pretty amazing. Um, but let's start with Ellis because this is pretty much your... Probably I'll swing that mic towards him uh, a little bit. Ah, yeah, that guy right there. Um, this is pretty much, you know, your your baby to begin with, to say at least. So do you want to give a little history on, you know, how the record came to be, or how you uh, chose to write this in like a beautiful, what sounds like epic setting?
1: Yeah, yeah. It was uh, It was actually right when I graduated from college. I had this idea to write this uh, album, sort of as a as a single piece. And I had actually... Right before I graduated, I had done a concert with my band and then with a bunch of chamber music that I had written. Um, And the the chamber music was the first half and the band was the second half. And I was, you know... Sort of the process of putting that all together, uh, I realized that I could make those worlds come together in a way that felt really natural for me. So I went to Canada and I stayed in a cabin in uh, Banff, which is in Alberta, in the the mountains. Beautiful. Yeah, super beautiful. And and, uh, I guess I was there for... I I was there for two months, and I planned the record out on the way there, and I, I wrote it, you know, all sort of in MIDI format, and I knew that I'd be writing for Alan, because he's always been the guy that I work with, uh, with vocals, and a friend from since we were 14 or 15, um, but then, yeah, and then, you know, once I came back, it was a process of putting the band together and sort of recording it step by step, I mean, I'd bring in sax one day and maybe like three weeks later I'd bring in trumpet you know it was just it was just a do-it-yourself kind of thing
4: and at what point does it go from a solo man's adventure in the wilderness of Canada to uh, a group project where like we we couldn't possibly do it with anything less than this you know when does it s- switch over to that uh
1: you know I really feel like it, it, it switched honestly when I started working with Alan like right as soon as I got back because um, he just has you know he's always been we've always collaborated and you know I wanted to get this first the first section of this thing written by myself but once I started working with uh, showing him the songs it really became a back, much more of a back and forth I don't know Alan if you have something to speak to on that
7: yeah uh, I mean even while Ellis was in Canada he would occasionally send me a song and uh, some lyrics to Mullover and just sort of uh, you know, to have someone to bounce it off of. Uh, I don't think there was a whole lot of human contact in Canada, which uh, was good for the record. I don't know what kind of effect it had on Ellis. But, yeah, and you know, we just continued to work on it and sort of grew that way.
4: And how much of a? I mean, this interesting because you know, how much of it was a collaboration or how much influence did you have on it, or was it mostly your vision? There maybe a couple tweaks on some words or lyrics or notes once once in practice.
1: Well, it was interesting because because I, I mean, the reason I, one of the reasons I wrote this record was that we had been. You know, in bands before, where we actually would split songwriting duties, and he actually wrote a song uh, for the band that we had before this band. Name, what was it? Call uh, your history. It was, it was called The Marions, and the song was called Wires. And it was this song, and he had written it, but he had, uh, he actually forgot his capo when he came to show me, so he played it really low and sang it really low, and it was like, oh my god, we're moving you down a fifth. Like we're gonna, <laughs> you're, you're only singing low. You know? So on, so honestly, like he was in my head the whole time that I was uh, I was working on this. So. You know, I mean, I think I tried to anticipate a lot of the things that he actually would do with it as I was writing. But there's a ton of things. I mean, once we came back, you know, there was a lot of changing where the words were and and uh, and you know, lyrical substitutions, and we changed some melodies. Right? I mean,
7: yeah, yeah. I think um, you know, on the album, because uh, the the male and female leads are, are so much characters in this story that it was important that uh, all the lyrics sort of fit comfortably, and it didn't feel like. Um, it was being jammed in there or anything like that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, that was mainly what we worked on.
4: And how did the rest of you get involved?
1: Well, so uh, Ray, um, actually, I should start with Eliza, because Eliza, uh, she she plays violin and does backup vocals with us, and she went to Yale with me, and we were in, like, a million theory classes together. <laughs>
5: Yeah, Ellis and I were both music majors at Yale so we, he just knew me from that and when he was starting to get people together to do this project and uh, the band was going to have its first performance he asked me if I would be interested in being involved um, just because I, I do both uh, sort of classical singing and classical violin and, and since um, you know, the, as you know this sort of genre crossover with, with this music he wanted to have people I think coming from that background um, as well
1: and uh, Eliza's got a great band called Plume Giant as well and I knew that she had a lot of Experience playing, you know, on a stage, indie and folk music, so that's how she got involved. And then actually, Eliza got Ray involved.
5: Yeah, Ray was was someone I knew from my other musical uh, stuff. So I, I suggested her to Ellis, and Ellis was looking for a, a female lead. Mm-hmm. And it's obviously worked out <laughs> pretty well.
2: And then
7: uh, Tyler, uh, actually, I, I took uh, some guitar classes uh, at, while in my last year at NYU, and. Um, I picked randomly out of a list, uh, and I picked out Tyler. Uh, and to be honest with you, we didn't get a whole lot done. We would usually get in there and <laughs> play guitar for about 10 minutes and then talk about gear for the rest of the hour. Um, but yeah, when we were looking for a guitar player, he was just really solid, and I knew he gigged a lot, and uh, it's been great. Uh, he got a C-. But. <laughs> uh, why
4: don't we get, uh, why don't we get the, the song going? What's the first one you're going to play?
3: Oh, Darling?
1: Yeah, the song's called O Oh, darling.
3: Thank mm-hmm. you.
7: Heart is gone to see.
4: It doesn't sound very good to have one person clap but it actually sounds like more condescending a thing but that was great that was really really good so let's talk about the themes on the record um, you know where you know where does the inspiration come from and you know how did you structure something and including the, that you knew that you were performing it in arrangements versus like some of your older more traditional rock bands
1: um, so i knew that i wanted to have this structured a little bit as a dialogue between a male and a female character i mean one of the interesting things about not singing (laughs) like i do uh is that you can divorce yourself a little bit from both of the characters and have a little bit of a uh space there so like i sort of split a lot of the things that i was thinking of into two like really different viewpoints the male character is a little more uh grandiose maybe a little bit goofy a little hopeful very like he's looking for something really important in his life and the female character sort of Uh, She emerged from a lot of the cynicism that I have about that, and so it sort of started. She often will sort of directly respond to the to the male character, and and the the course of the record, it it, I mean, it's about it's about this back and forth. Um, You know, there's a lot of a lot of uh, talk about, um, you know, like sort of there's a lot of suspicion around romantic love, and a lot of like. Sort of trying to, to work your way through these, these issues, and there's also a lot of nostalgia.
4: Is that personal, or is that pulling from? It's pulling, from,
1: pulling from a lot of things. I mean, I think the so um, personal. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, it's, it's it's really like a mixture. Uh, I was reading a lot of a lot of books up there, um, and that helps. Also, when you're in a space like that, you know, where you don't have anyone really that you're spending time with except for yourself, uh, all the any little emotion you're feeling gets sort of expanded to fill that space, you know. Um, So being just out of school, you know, being, you know, a lot of my friends were making very important decisions with what they were going to do with the rest of their lives. And I think that was, that was certainly personal that, that kind of the suspicion and scaredness and all that stuff that I had about that was definitely.
4: So the record comes out September 17th, Downtown, which is one of the best record labels out there. How did you end up connecting with Downtown for, for this record? Uh, actually it was kind of funny uh,
7: so some of the early stuff I uh, I showed my girlfriend obviously she made me uh, and her roommate had a friend who was interning at downtown um, and yeah some of the songs got passed along and uh, Josh Deutsch um, who runs downtown uh, showed up at our first show which was uh, at Pianos uh, in the Lower East Side um, and came up to us right afterward and really loved it um, it was awesome We had, uh, I mean you think this is a big group the first time we got on stage I think we had like 13 people on the stage of pianos, <laughs> which is actually shoulder to shoulder.
4: Yeah, I was gonna say, even thinking eight on that stage is kind of pushing it.
7: Oh Yeah, we're like, we're stripped down now, but it was, you know, 12 or 13 people, and he came up after, and the crowd was really supportive. Lots of friends, obviously, but. Um, they had
1: us play Sunset twice. Yeah,
7: they, they asked for an encore at the end, and it was just, uh, it was an amazing experience, and then Josh was sort of, um, you know, right there, and Downtown has been awesome uh, the whole way, really supportive.
4: And how are you taking uh, eight people on the road for the first time?
0: Uh, I think we we're each taking a separate car. Eight <laughs> hey cars, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's we're we're definitely we're we're definitely comfortable uh. with each other. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, I think we're I think we're getting a big big yeah. van, right? We'll have a
1: big van. There's a, I mean, yeah. we've performed enough shows where we're shoulder to shoulder that like being in a car shoulder to shoulder will be just fine. I think, yeah. <laughs> and what cities are you guys heading? Um, we're doing. Uh, it's going to be. Um, I mean, a, a lot of big metropolitan areas. We're doing all the big cities on the East Coast. We're doing uh, Milwaukee. Milwaukee, which is raised. Home is that where from. you're from? Yeah. yeah. Homecoming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we're, uh, then we're going to hit all the cities on the. We're doing uh, San Diego, LA, up the West Coast, all the way to Vancouver. And then eventually to Iceland, and then hopefully after that to. You anyway. pointed
4: that way, Iceland's the other way. Yeah. Yeah, airports that way. Um, that's amazing. And then playing uh, here September twentieth at LPR, which is a perfect setting for you guys. Um, just a beautiful, beautiful venue, and I think will lend greatly. Um, I want to make sure we have time for one more song, but um, if you want to give people the nuts and bolts where they can find you, how they can follow you, pre-order the record. I'm sure it's available now. And um, yeah. and yeah. I saw congratulations streaming on NPR today yeah. as well, which is amazing. So yeah, uh, congrats Thanks. to that.
2: Thanks. Yeah, so yeah.
7: That, that stream just went up. Um, yeah, you can stream it on NPR. It comes out uh, next Tuesday. Uh, I think you can pre-order it on Amazon. Uh, and then obviously, you know, Twitter, Facebook, all of the... Yeah, San
1: Fermin Band. Look us up on Twitter. We, we,
4: uh... Awesome. So what are you going to take us out with?
1: Uh, this song is called Methuselah. And uh, this one's got acoustic guitar. It's the only song in our set that has acoustic guitar.
4: Gotcha. Uh, well, everyone, thanks for, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks to our guests from Feast Portland. Uh, this will actually be our last... Monday episode for Snacky Tunes after four years. We'll be moving to Sundays because we just can't swing leaving work anymore. Uh, so um, thanks for everyone listening and for everyone coming by. But we will be back next Sunday with a whole new episode. Uh, take us out. One, two, three, one. Two, three.
8: A message to you and your lover, like a dirty bouquet with your wine. I will tie to my body some roses Get you alive Are you thinking of me now? Methuselah I'm a passenger I go, I go, I go, I go, I go along Have you found a place that's deeper than the corners of your die When I'm lost With myself I see As I drift in the night, I don't think of you, and I'm missing you. Are you thinking of me now, Methuselah? I'm a passenger, I go, I go, I go. You. Are you thinking of me now Methuselah on the passenger I go I go I go I go, I go around. Have you found a place that's deeper than the climate center? Passenger I go, I go, I go, I go go, go Upon